Most store owners think of returns, refunds, and exchanges as a necessary evil, but it doesn't have to be that way. If done well, they could be a huge conversion trigger for your customers. Did you know that 91% of shoppers say they consider a store's return policy before placing an order? That's kind of crazy. So why do you hate it? Because it's a time-consuming pain, right? Plus they're a potential customer service nightmare. Well, not anymore. Bold makes a great app for managing the entire returns process. It's called the Bold Returns Manager, and it gives your customers a portal where they can submit returns, track them through the process, and it gives you a portal where you can review, approve, decline, and manage everything about them. You create all your policies that you want to allow, whether it's returns or exchanges, credits, whatever, and then apply it to what product should have that policy, and you're set. It's got a great backend for managing all the returns, making notes in them, and statuses that automatically keep your customers updated along the way. So stores are always trying to find better ways to compete, more than just on price. And a solid return policy and a smooth way to implement it is a great alternative to competing on price. Especially if you're in fashion and apparel, you know returns are such a big factor. So the Bold Returns Manager app has thought of everything. And if you're ready to take your returns to the next level, you need to try it. You can try it out for free for two months by heading to ethercycle.com bold. That's ethercycle.com bold. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You already know the benefits of SEO. The higher you rank in search, the more visitors you get, and more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do it? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines more easily, and it's trusted by thousands of store owners. No surprise there, it's equal parts power, innovation, and ease of use. Think of SEO Manager as your optimization toolbox. Here's some examples. It can scan your site for issues, offer keyword suggestions, add structured data support, analyze missing pages and redirects, and even integrate with Kit, plus a ton more tools to help you be easily found in Google searches. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can get started in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Seriously, I have met them, they are the best. And as a special offer to you, you can get 10% off SEO Manager forever when you sign up at seomanager.com slash unofficial. That's seomanager.com slash unofficial. Hello and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, sitting in uh, mostly cold, dreary, gray, Skokie, Illinois, because it's January, it is the new year, and we need to get our businesses ready. And uh, truthfully, January is the one of the craziest times for us. This is when we see a whole influx of new people into the Facebook group and subscribing to the show as everyone is saying, all right, it's the new year, this is the year we're going to really kill it with our business. And the one thing you need to be able to figure that out is analysis. And what better tool for analysis than Google Analytics? It's in the name, right? But most stores run Google Analytics, but they don't do anything with it. They don't know what to do with it. And when you look at the darn thing, half the time it's a whole bunch of refer spam in there. So what are you supposed to do with it? How do people get actionable insights out of Google Analytics? Well, it turns out first you gotta set the thing up right. I had no idea how tough it is to get the thing set up right. And my guest today, we worked with on a, a huge project uh, for a, a large client, and he helped us set up Google Analytics correctly. And I was blown away 
by how much went into it. So in this episode, we're going to learn how to turn Google Analytics into a powerful business tool. And I am joined by none other than a previous guest, founder, head of optimization at Test Triggers, Josh Frank. Josh Frank's going to walk us through start to finish an actually useful Google Analytics strategy. And Mr. Frank has helped countless e-com businesses like yours boost their revenue with conversion optimization. Running close to a thousand A-B tests has helped Josh to distill true optimization tactics from the BS. Josh, thank you for joining us. Yeah, Kurt, I'm excited to be here. And like you said, I think uh, the beginning of the year is a, is a great time to, to get your analytics cleaned up and get yourself on an actual system for when to look at analytics, what to look for, and how to help it fuel your business decisions. Okay, so start me with this. With what is just out of the box, let's say I open my Google Analytics account, I take that, that ID, I paste it into my Shopify store settings, online store preferences, I've spent, it's all free so far, what do I get here and what's the problem with this? Why can't I just leave it like that? Well, the thing is, Kurt, is, is the situation you've described actually isn't the, uh, let's call it, worst case scenario. What really ends up being difficult is when you, let's say, do a new theme. Your Google Analytics has been there forever. Most people actually aren't starting with a, with a new install, right? They've got this Google Analytics thing that's been around for maybe three, four years, and it's survived a couple of different site redesigns. And over time, it's just gotten bulk and gunk, and, and just things have happened. And so some of the biggest things upon noticing jumping right into an account is, is really step one, which is we've got to sort of audit this thing. Um, so what and why? Like, why do things go wrong with analytics or why is analytics not set up properly in the first place? So um, not to get too, um, you know, technical and in the weeds, but plenty of things happen. Some common things that are you may have you may have Google Analytics accidentally installed twice. You're thinking there's no way I've done that. That sounds really silly, uh, but it's actually quite easy to do. Um, it's possible that a developer has put it right into your Shopify template and then someone else has installed it through the Shopify admin panel. Um, and even third, it's a possibility you have Google Tag Manager installed and analytics is being deployed through that. And so um, this is actually a pretty common thing that we see is Google Analytics is actually firing its tag twice, which means some pretty wonky numbers. You're going in and saying, wow, we have a really, really low bounce rate. We must be doing great things or <laughs> we have a really, really high bounce rate. What the hell is the matter? Um, that's a big problem and it's usually caused by analytics uh, being... Uh, tracked more than once on a page. So um, there are a lot of technical things like that and also stuff as simple as inside your Google Analytics, there's a little checkbox that says uh, block, uh, you know, basically block uh, spam and bots. Um, and if you don't have that checked, you're probably getting a little um, overrun by, by, by bots at, at some point and it'll lead you to say things like, wow, we, we're really killing it in uh, East Lansing, Michigan. Boy, we got a lot of traffic from there. They must love us. Um, that's probably not true if you're, you know, if your traffic boosts a thousand percent from a specific city. So, um, you know, I kind of like to break Google Analytics into a, three different parts, which is making sure what you're looking at is accurate. That's the audit portion. And then two is deciding what we actually are going to look at on a consistent basis. And three is when do we look at these things and when do we decide when we actually do want to jump into Google Analytics? So, um, yeah, step one, let's get in there and, and, and audit things. And you can have a do-it-yourself audit if you google google analytics audit there are plenty of resources and we'll put one in the show notes from online metrics which is a really great 
uh, checklist for auditing. Or you can bring on, um, you know, a GA expert to, to jump in there and audit things. And um, don't let the audit scare you. Again, you can do a, a light audit or a deep audit, depending on how, how intense you want to you want to dig into things. But that's definitely step one. Let's get into analytics and make sure we're actually reporting information accurately. Cool. So I think, yes, you're right that this it's sad when you're afraid the way you put it, it's like oh it sounds that's stupid how could that happen you would be shocked at how often it happens it's an easy mistake to make whereas a merchant you go oh all right i st- i set up google analytics when we started the store a year ago now i got to add like we need better tracking because we hired this agency and they're going to set up these marketing uh, campaigns and they got to install google tag manager and uh, now it's firing twice it is a really easy thing to do to yourself so it sounds like step 1 tell me Josh how if I'm a merchant, how do I check if my analytics is trustworthy? For sure, yeah. Um, grabbing an audit audit checklist is is, is step one, and so um, I think the online metrics one that we'll throw in the show show notes is probably the best. And it's going to walk you through a couple of components. Uh, one is the area of tracking, which is again, let's make sure Google Analytics is installed on every page and only once on every page. Um, and then it's going to walk you through some uh, data components, like let's make sure we're blocking out spam. Uh, let's make sure that our email client is actually tracking, uh, I shouldn't say tracking, is actually firing a UTM tag of email so that all of our email traffic actually shows up as email. Um, this is another pretty common uh, situation where you'll jump into your you know, your uh, audience, um, I'm sorry, acquisition section of analytics and say, wow, our direct traffic is, is incredible. People must just all be typing in our website. They must know us by heart. Um, when in reality, it's probably mistagged traffic from email. Um, and so again, it'll, it'll go through some tracking things, and then it'll go through the big one, which is your e-commerce tracking. And um, out of the box, you can get pretty uh, accurate and probably what you need tracking with Shopify, um, using making sure that enhanced e-commerce is turned on in analytics, and then following the similar settings in Shopify, which is a pretty simple Google of Google Analytics enhanced e-commerce. Um, now, as I know we've experienced this together, when you start to really get into some more advanced things like syncing that up with Tag Manager, it can, it can become a beast of a project. But again, oh, it was crazy. I could not it, believe it, how much went into that. It can get, it can get pretty, um, pretty nutty in making sure that, um, that every little fine-tuned thing you want is there. Uh, but if we want to go you know, the, the 80-20 approach and make sure that Hey, let's just make sure our category pages are tracked like they should, or collection pages are tracked like they should be, and that our checkout process is tracked and our cart process is tracked. Um, you can get a lot of that uh, pretty pretty out of the box, but most people, I shouldn't say most, many accounts I go into, um, they either have enhanced e-commerce turned on but not configured in Shopify or vice versa, um, or they simply don't have it checked on at all. Um, which is huge. You want to know, are people dropping off in the cart page or in a certain spot in checkout, or are people using coupon codes? Um, these are all the nice things you get with enhanced e-commerce, um, which again is, is, is part of this step one. Let's make sure our data is actually accurate. That is, you're right. And when I log into a store, one of the first things I do is go in there and click enable enhanced e-commerce just to make sure we've got some, some clean and useful data. What is the difference, um, briefly, what's the difference between running the store with and without that checkbox? Basically, without it, the only type of information you're getting is whether or not someone purchased and hit the final URL for completed purchase. Um, and you can sort of retroactively go and see how many people hit the cart page. Uh, 
but you won't get in-depth analytics like um, inside of checkout or uh, things like coupon codes or the how your product listing pages are are, are doing. Um, And it actually will will also track your grab your shipping amounts, grab uh, order returns and refunds. Um, And it does a lot of the nice things that some of you may be saying, hey, I I can see those things in in Shopify. Uh, But if you get them ported over to analytics as well, you can look at them by uh, campaign, by organic traffic, and all these nice nice ways of doing things. And um, Kurt, one of the big things we haven't mentioned yet, which is important to note about analytics, is that, and this might possibly be the biggest uh, bummer of all about analytics. Folks, the reason you want to get this stuff dialed in correctly is that Google Analytics does not do anything retroactively. Nothing, zip, zilch, nada. So until you start to set things, in, things up and get them um, dialed in correctly, your data is going to be broken. So the sooner you get this fixed, the better. Um, you go in and, let's say, filter out a bunch of spam. You can't go back in time and get rid of that spam. Uh-huh. Um, okay. But you, you can't go back in time and look at enhanced e-commerce. So you want to get it dialed in um, right off the bat. All right. So then, so step one, I, I install my Google Analytics code. I'm going to check enhanced e-commerce data. And now it, it's reporting all the data, but it's not necessarily clean. So this brings me to my next step is even if I'm not going to be real intentional with it. I still want to collect that data. I want to have that. Maybe I hire a consultant, a marketing agency, somebody, or I sit down and over time I'm able to figure it out myself. But I want that good, clean data. How do I do that? How do I set up analytics correctly to ensure that data is clean? Yeah, once you're um, in analytics and you you have it installed and you've kind of, again, gone through some sort of checklist to make sure it's on every page, it's only there once, and then you've gone through and made, made sure spam is out of there, um, now you want to do some cross-referencing with your Shopify account. Pull in how many orders came in through Shopify. How many does Google Analytics tell you have come in through Shopify uh, uh, through your store? Um, and do some comparison between those to figure out, hey, I've got to double-check these things. Is, is, what one, is what my GA is saying equal to what my Shopify is saying? Um, and give it a little bit of, uh, of a break if it's off by uh, a sale or two. Um, some things like you know, Google Analytics isn't really meant to be a real-time tool. Um, so give it a little bit of a of, of a margin for error, but you want to be going in and checking. You know, are are my traffic numbers adding up? Are my um, sales numbers adding up? And again, is analytics um, telling me what I would like to see um, accurately that I also see in in, in Shopify? Okay, and then actually uh, follow up question there. So various tools um, have different reporting, and my wife was asking me about this, but I get this is a common question that merchants ask: is like, hey. My Shopify analytics are different from my Google analytics, which are different than my Facebook, uh, the business manager reporting analytics. What's the deal? Which one is right? Yeah, so a couple of things go into that. Um, one, not to harp on it, but one is likely an, an audit issue. Again, so going through that checklist and making sure there's not a bunch of, uh, so each tool may have its own native way of trying to filter out spam. Um, so that's kind of step one. Also, each tool uh, may have its own way of representing what is a session and what is a user. So what represents just any session of a person visiting this site and what? how do we compile those into users? Um, and that could just be different tools have slightly different ways of, of doing those. The third one is date ranges. So whether it's time zone or simply how updated the data is, it can sometimes be different. The last is you know maybe uh, not to go jump into conspiracy theory zone here, but each tool, especially let's say you're paying this tool to give you great numbers and the more uh, 
the better the numbers look, the more money you're maybe apt to give this tool. Um, you might want to double check those numbers with another tool. <laughs> uh, not to say that Facebook isn't the most trustworthy platform um, we've ever witnessed, but you might want to uh, uh, do some double checking. Um, but yeah, those numbers can be off. Um, sometimes it's inevitable, but many times it's due to how they calculate data and also making sure that uh, spam is filtered out. Okay. The So then, all right, I interrupted you. How do we get our Google Analytics set up so that it is... Uh, it's trustworthy and the data is clean. Yeah, so I mean, again, really, your data should be pretty darn clean after you've after you've done some auditing and then again done some um, checking between uh, Shopify and Google Analytics and kind of cross reference cross reference to them with each other. One of the last kind of components too is when you go into analytics, um, and this is pretty common for almost every account I jump into. Um, you, you jump in and there's one account. There's one profile and there's one view, meaning it was set up. Um, it was set up for one website and there's only one view and every change gets made through that view. So a way, again, to make sure your analytics are, are clean in the way that you want them is to set up three different views. So I'm going to kind of talk through this without um, without trying to put anyone to sleep here. But basically, <laughs> you, want, you want three views because one of them should always be what's called a raw view, meaning... It's every visit, every session that comes into your analytics, no filters, uh, no spam filters even. Uh, you just want this to be, again, a raw view of data so that, let's say in the event that on one of your other views you do a filter and it's not the right one, you still have access to the raw data that you can sort of manage and, um, and get access to in case something goes wrong. Again, think of everything through the terms of Google Analytics does not let you make retroactive changes. You can't go back in time and add back in traffic that you accidentally filtered out um, or vice versa. So one is called a raw view. One is called a test view. So again, if we're going to set up uh, a spam filter, we go ahead and do it in the test view first in case, let's say you're doing a complicated reg regular expression that filters out certain referrals and you accidentally mistype something and you automatically block all Twitter and not just a fake Russian Twitter. Whoops. <laughs> you you want to do that on your test view. Um, and then the third view is the the main view or default view, however you want to call it, which is the one you're looking at every day for, for your reporting. Um, but that's the last kind of thing you want to make sure. Um, if you've got those three views, you can build things out in your test view, copy them over to your main view when you're ready, and then always leave that raw view alone. Um, because again, if time goes by and something is messed up and you need to, to look at the last three months of data without something you did in the, in the main view, you can actually port that data over to, let's say, Google Data Studio and do a little, a little magic to make it work. But you want to try and avoid that. And having the three separate views is the best way to do that. Okay. The, so I set up, step, I set up my, my views. What then? Well, the next big step is to decide what are we as a team or me as a business owner actually looking at in analytics like what kpis matter to us on a consistent basis and once you've got a clean and decent analytics this is the biggest uh mistake that i see commonly with with store owners is they have analytics and let's say they're even past the point of i trust these analytics i feel good about these analytics what they do is they just sort of take time every week or or, or month if it catches up to them and they go oh shit i need to go into analytics 
I, I need to I need to see how my analytics are doing. And they jump into Google Analytics with no question that needs to be answered. They're just kind of jumping in there and poking around. Right. Yeah. You get you suddenly you decide you've run out of ideas or in but you know all right I want to grow my store or and I'm I'm looking for some problem that I haven't I'm not sure is there or not or I'm looking for some insight on where I could double down. And I'm just going to go in the analytics and just poke around at stuff because there's a million and one pages in there until something jumps out at me and I could just seize on that as that's the thing that's going to grow my revenue. That's the, the approach when we just start poking around. Yeah, that's extremely unlikely to happen, though, to find that, that magic piece of data yes. that's going yeah. to change your business around. Um, what's more likely to happen is, is a wormhole of 45 minutes spent um, looking at reports and sort of thinking... Is that a thing or is that not a thing? Is is time on our time on site went up? Is that good because people are spending more time on our site or is it bad because they can't find what they want? And so you end up getting sort of drowned in these in these vanity metrics or um, you know looking at incomplete data. And so the biggest thing is um, you know let's let's think of these in terms of since since you know, this is the new year and everyone has their New Year's resolution about getting getting fit and hitting the gym and eating healthy. Um, what gets measured gets managed, right? So actually knowing if you're trying to lose weight, how many calories you're taking in, looking at how many workouts you're doing, maybe you're also tracking your 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 fat and your protein and whatever else. Um, that's gonna you're gonna be a hell of a lot better at losing weight and getting fit if you're looking at consistent numbers every day, week, and month, um, and and tracking towards those as opposed to just deciding um, I'll just walk in the gym and sort of move some stuff around uh, once a week until I get frustrated and then leave. So if we want to talk about a couple of KPIs to look at, um, some of the obvious ones would be, let's say we have a weekly revenue goal. Uh, a conversion rate by device is another great one. Let's look at our traffic by source. So kind of looking in terms of where are people coming from? You know, what are the top landing pages and, and so on? Um, how are they doing on the site, meaning our, our conversion rate to sale? Um, and I like to split things by device if possible because it's just really easy to blend those together and not see the true story. Um, if you have a 5% conversion rate on desktop, but your conversion rate on mobile is 0.5%, you blend those together and you might think you have a decent conversion rate. But in reality, you've got a serious mobile problem. Um, so looking at, at those by device, weekly revenue, and again, you're going to have specific things with your team that you want to look at every week. And the reason why I really harp on, on getting these numbers dialed in is that these become your dashboard. And this is sort of part three is, now you have a dashboard that you've created. And again, you have some basic numbers on there, maybe some things that are specific to your business. And in a perfect ideal world, you have a set time to check that dashboard. And you sort of say to yourself in the back of your mind, I'm gonna check this dashboard. And if these numbers are looking good, I'm okay. <laughs> I can move on to my next, next task. And so I don't need to go jumping into analytics on a wild as I look in and go whoa guys our, our mobile conversion rate from this month to last month is down 60% now now I have something valuable which is I can go into Google Analytics with a question I am trying to answer and this is really the only way you should be jumping into analytics not to poke around not to just say you spent your cursory 30 minutes per week um, it's you have a question you're actually trying to answer and so uh -huh. having a consistent dashboard is the key to that We'll hear more after this quick break. Support for this podcast comes from Simpler, a new way to staff 24-7 sales and customer service 
on your Shopify store. It works with your existing email and chat tools, so setup is quick and easy. Simpler provides on-demand, US-based customer service specialists to answer your customers' most common questions. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat with 24-7 Simpler specialists. Find out more at simpler.ai. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I. And now back to the show. Hit me. Okay, so I've got... I, for I, clean, I get the reporting right. I clean my data view. Uh, now I've got clean, clean data going in there, which is important because I can't fix it retroactively. And that gives me a point um, where I could say, all right, we could, we could go backwards and forwards. We could see our performance relative to the past. And that, that's an important, helpful thing as opposed to I'm just poking around in there. So that's number one to make it a valuable tool. And then two, when viewing it, I, there is some question, something I'm trying to answer rather than just take a stab in the dark. Um, the so when I've got my I set up my dashboard that's got I'm gonna set that up with my relevant KPIs my key performance indicators right so now I've got that in one place. Um, what are some of the for a Shopify store for an e-commerce dashboard? What uh, what are typical KPIs you would set up in that dashboard? Yeah, so some of the ones I mentioned before like conversion rate by device is is a huge one uh, that we like. Also looking at conversion rate by source. How is email traffic converting versus organic versus paid, um, and so on. Also just having a, a revenue number. We want to hit X revenue uh, per week. How are we looking You know, this week versus last week? And then obviously taking into consideration, did we do a big sale? So um, having your, your campaigns in there to know um, what's the traffic like to our campaigns. And there's also um, a neat way to sort of shortcut this. Um, and I know we don't all uh, need a new tool in our life, but Google oh, but has, I like them. I'm so, <laughs> I, give me my shiny new toy. <laughs> Google has launched, uh, and it's out of beta now, which is Google Data Studio. And so Google Data Studio is Google's way of saying, we know you have a lot of data in a lot of different places. Here's a way to thread them together and show them off in one spot. Um, and even if you just connect Google Analytics and AdWords to it, it's just a really nice way to showcase your analytics data without without giving yourself the um, the, the sort of palette dispenser of all of Google Analytics where you want to you got to jump away from this page, oh. jump into that, dig into this. So it sort of puts some constraints in a good way on this. And Google Data Studio offers e-commerce templates. Um, and of course, no template's going to be perfect for everyone, but it has a ton of great information um, that you can basically click integrate your Google Analytics, it's a, it's a few clicks, and all of a sudden you're looking at your data on a nice, pretty, clean dashboard. Where are your users coming from location-wise? Um, what are your top referring sites, conversion rates? Um, and so again, just even just Googling Google Data Studio e-commerce template, um, you can find some pretty neat ones that will really, really get you started. Um, and again, I, I can't stress this enough. The, this dashboard becomes, th- this is the place that you check that your teammates check. And, and if you have a marketing team, theirs might be a little tweaked to what they're doing. Um, your email person might have a page that's a little more in-depth on email metrics. Um, but really, we, we, we want to look at these numbers and say, are these numbers where we need them to be? Are these hitting our key performance indicators? And then not saying, I'm going to go on this wild goose chase into analytics. And, and again, come back with our, our time on site's too low or our bounce rate's too high. It's like too high compared to what, and, and those, are, those are vanity metrics. And we can stay away from those if we 
sort of stick to our dashboard. Um, but again, if that dashboard shows a number is is down and in the red, now we have a place we have a place to go and dig into analytics and see what happened. You know, did we have a really poorly performing email campaign? Um, is one of our, our one of our uh, affiliate partners all of a sudden not sending as much traffic? Um, but we're going into analytics with that question, with that notepad, knowing we you know we we know where to hunt now. Okay, so I've got I've, I've written down a whole bunch of follow up questions here. I'm excited about Google Data Studio number one. In Google Data Studio, the magic is that it could pull in multiple sources in addition to Google Analytics. That's just one of multiple data sources. Are there any other um, examples of data sources that you might pull in with Google Data Studio in a Shopify store? Yeah, absolutely. So um, things like AdWords, like we mentioned before, double-click data, um, Facebook. You can pull in your actual uh, Facebook ad data into uh, Data Studio. That's huge. Um, the, I got to tell you, one of the neatest things to pull into Data Studio, and this may sound uh, may sound lame, but it's but it's really not if you if you dig into it, is Google Sheets data. So you can simply fire up a Google Sheet, put a bunch of data in it, whether that data is added to that sheet manually or through an API automatically using something like Zapier, um, but that data can be pulled on a on a every hour basis into your Data Studio. So let's say you have you know a report you like to show. Um, and it's just data in Google Sheets, and let's just say no one's really all that jazzed about looking at a spreadsheet, you can pull that into Data Studio, make it into these cool you know, charts and graphs, and have it right alongside your Google Analytics data and your Facebook Analytics data in one spot uh, to check. And so we actually use the Google Sheets functionality a ton uh, because we can pull pretty much anything into a spreadsheet. Um, and and once it's there, we, we need to get it into a new spot because how many times have we all created a Google Sheet in order to answer a, a business question we had, and then no one ever checked it again. Yep. Um, so, so getting that alongside your other data in Data Studio is, is killer. But yeah, Data Studio has, um, I, I want to say, 30 or 40 connectors and growing. Um, some of them are paid, uh, but there are also uh, just plenty of, of, of free options that will get you started. Well, and especially if you could send stuff into Google Sheets, Google Sheets gets us access to Zapier, so now we can um, move like all kinds of data. We can get into it that way. Essentially, yeah, we're sideloading it. Absolutely. I mean, just um, last week for a client, um, we ported over a ton of their MailChimp data into a Google Sheet, which was relatively easy. And again, it's this thing of we know once we get it into Google Sheets, game over. You know, we, we can pull it into into Data Studio, bring it alongside analytics data, um, you know, you can even do some neat things with with calculated fields in, in Data Studio and, and get pretty um, pretty advanced. But just this idea, it's sort of um, been a, a white whale for many marketers, which is how can I see all of my data in one place? How can I see all of my data in one place? And it's and it's kind of a, a refrain that I hear all the time. And um, this is a, a good place to start, that's for sure. Um, and and you can grow it with time. Very cool. Yeah, I. I start playing with it, um, and because I've got you know access to Zapier and all these automation tools, the same issue that Google Analytics has, where you just go in and start fiddling for 45 minutes, I've been doing the same thing with Google Data Studio. Like, I just have a nonsense dashboard of various things I pulled together because I could. <laughs> so I have the same problem. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's because yeah. it's such a powerful, cool tool. You quickly start to think, wait a minute, could I? You know, it's it's how I get with Zapier sometimes. It's like, 
could I do this, this, and that? And boom, three hours go by. <laughs> three hours go by to build an automation that has saved you about four minutes of work a month. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, But again, like even if we just bite off the smallest thing, which is pulling your analytics data with your AdWords data, um, and let's toss in you know, Facebook too and getting to see those things. So that'll give you a pretty damn nice dashboard as far as your uh, paid marketing campaigns are concerned. So in, okay, the... The disadvantage to Google Analytics, Google Data Studio, um, Google Sheets, any of these things is they're passive and that like they sit, they collect data, but unless someone is checking on them and making decisions about it, it is not necessarily a, an active business tool. Is it possible to make these things more proactive um, by setting up uh, some kind of like automated reports or alerts that happen where it's like, you know, if X thing, send me email or every month, just give me like send me a PDF of these reports. Is there any way to do something like that? Yeah, that's a killer question. Um, and it exposes one of the most underutilized features of Google Analytics, which is um, alerts. There is an alerts section inside of Google Analytics where for you know nearly any um, uh, metric you can think of, you can set up an alert. So here are some of the ones that, that we tend to fire up for our clients. Um, one is if sessions, you know, drops by whatever, 90 something percent day over day or whatever the way we configure it, which is basically saying all of a sudden has my Google Analytics been broken. Um, it's not meant as like a is our site down notifier because you should have a real time option for that. Uh, but is my analytics not seeing visitors? That's a big one. Uh, another one is uh, referral traffic. So we have one set up for uh, if referral traffic bumps by 50 percent, send us an email and it's sort of like the have you gone viral alert <laughs> right. uh, and we do other ones uh, you know can big like big big drops or big big increases in conversion rate um, and again you can dial these up for for almost anything and so um, you can have those those set now the for something like data studio um, I would hope that this really does become and you know Every Wednesday at two o'clock, it's part of our stand-up or whatever else, where it is we are checking this dashboard and we are looking at each other and going, you know, are we all good? Do we have the thumbs up here? Can we move on? Because one is it's just a consistent thing you can be you should be doing. But two, think of it, you know, if you have employees and you don't have this sort of system, what happens is then you jump into analytics, you see something you think is scary, you fire off an email to your marketing person. They're stressed out because they're like, "What? Where the hell did this come from? Time on site isn't important, or this page isn't relevant anymore." And and so, <laughs> it tends to just drive people crazy. Um, and it, that's where analytics can again um, start to be more 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 harm than good. So, dialing back and think, no, 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 no. We are doing dash. We are checking dashboards, and we're only worried about reports if something doesn't look right. Okay, I like it. Walk me through. And this is so. This is this is a tough question. This is a loaded question. What are some ranges for good KPIs? Because a lot of we're in um, an advantageous position in that I have seen hundreds of stores. So I have a very good sense of like for various verticals and price points, here is these are good ranges for numbers. So we could set targets. Um, can you walk me through some of those for like just basic stuff like uh, bounce rate, conversion rate, where you go, man, that's really great or that's really bad? Like just a wide range since I know it varies so much across different industries. For sure, yeah, and there, this should always be given with the disclaimer that everyone knows they're about to hear. You know, conversion rates are different for everyone. 
These are averages. It shouldn't be a, a an end all, um, be all as, as as far as is concerned. And, and like I mentioned before, it's really important to look at these um, by device and split out, or even by browser to to dial in what these are like. But um, but let's say you have an average order value of around um, of around a hundred dollars. A conversion rate above one one and a half percent. Is, is is decent and you shouldn't be too scared or worried. If your conversion rate is under one, um, you probably can, can do some improvement. Let's say your average order value though is $1,000. Um, if your conversion rate is anything near a half a percent, you should actually be pretty darn happy. And if it's above that, you should be really happy. Um, but let's say you're selling things for uh, your average order values, I don't know, 25 to $50. You should be in the two, 3% range. Um, for conversion rate. Knowing that, a lot of times your mobile conversion rate is going to be, by many benchmark standards, about half of what your desktop conversion rate is. Um, and this presents like a catch-22, which is, is my mobile conversion rate half of desktop because my mobile conversion, uh, my mobile site is terrible, or is it because people are browsing on mobile and buying on desktop? And the answer, unfortunately, is both, um, or could be both. Um, and so don't get too crazy hung up if you go, oh, my God, I can't believe my mobile conversion rate is only 2%. If your desktop conversion rate is 35 or 4%. But if you let's say you dig into your mobile conversion rate and you go, whoa, Android is 0.5%. Now we have a problem. Now we have something where you might want to dial up a batch of user testing um, and only do Android devices and see how people use your device or use a tool like Hotjar to record mobile uh, mobile sessions and, and watch those. Um, but yeah, um, as far as, as, as bounce rate, um, it's tough to gauge just because a lot of it depends on, you know, how many pages is your site? What's your homepage like? How aggressively are you using call to actions on the homepage? Um, do you, it's possible that, let's say you have a really, really great dialed in value proposition on your homepage that lets people know exactly who you're for. Um, you may have a high ish bounce rate because you're deflecting and, and, you know, qualifying people out of your funnel right away. But if people that are there have a good conversion rate, it's not a problem. So bounce rate's a tougher one to just grab a range on. Makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, um, I like that you led with the, um, for conversion rate led with average order value. Cause really that's like the, that's what I look at first is, all right, what is the average order value? Because they're going to be inversely correlated. Um, and I call it the, uh, the, there's the $50 really the threshold, like below 50, I don't have to ask my wife for permission to buy it. Right. So it's gotta be, um, below 50 is where you get those really high conversion rates for an AOV. And then as you go up, like average order value is great, but then the downside is you have to expect a lower conversion rate. So that's where you say like it really, it's so hard to compare numbers between stores. It really, it's a loaded question. Um, but your answer was, was perfect. Well, and there, there's, there are anecdotal reasons when you start to dig into the qualitative research of why a conversion rate may be high or low that's out of your control. Uh, for instance, um, I've worked with a client that is, um, you know, they're, they're, so, they're in like the quasi-medical space. It's not really, really uh, medical, but uh, people with certain um, conditions are, are on that site and looking for a product that would help them. Um, and so their, their average order value is around $100. Um, and you wouldn't believe how high their conversion rate is. <laughs> the thing is, though, they're being told by doctors, hey, you need one of these things. Right. You know, you, you need this to help you. Go and get one. Um, well, this is 
something you figure out when you do the research, but you go, yeah, well, you know, no shit. And also, they can probably use their FSA or HSA card, um, which can feel like monopoly money when you're spending it. So um, really, and, and again, it's, it's you know, we, we've chatted before on this podcast about small data or qualitative data, which is really something that I just scream from the top of the mountains that, that, that quantitative data is only as good as the qualitative data you have to support it. And so, you know, a number that looks off about your conversion rate is, is something to, to, to research and look at. But until you have something like survey data from your mobile customers or user tests or visitor recordings to sort of correlate to, to what's going on, um, anything you do to try and fix it is a stab in the dark. Um, so, so backing up these things you see in analytics that kind of make you, make you go, Hmm, with qualitative is, is really the way to figure out, um, are we on a path to actually fix this problem? I think that is a, a brilliant piece of wisdom and we're going to end it there because you can't top that. Um, where could people go to learn more about you? Yeah. So testtriggers.com, um, is, is the agency site. Um, but I'm also just on Twitter at Josh Frank and more than happy to answer follow-up questions. Um, and, and digging these things again. This is uh, uh, it's it's fun to talk about this stuff for me, and, and I know a lot of people don't don't love digging into to analytics and for for the wariness of it. And so uh, come find me, ask me questions, and I'm more than help uh, happy to help out. Josh Frank, testtriggers.com. Thank you. Always a, a pleasure. Thanks, Kurt. One final note before we go. I wanted to remind you about the one Shopify theme my agency has used more than any other. It's called Turbo by Out of the Sandbox. And as its name implies, it's built for speed. But that's not why I love it. I love it because it's the most configurable, feature-packed theme for Shopify today. Features like predictive search, easy mega menus, infinite scrolling collections, and a ton of page templates. Calling it a theme doesn't do it justice. I think of it as a rapid prototyping tool for Shopify stores. And I've got a special offer for you. You can get it today at a 20% discount when you use the code PODCAST20. You can even try it for up to two weeks, and if you don't love it, Out of the Sandbox will give you a full refund. To check it out now, go to ethercycle.com turbo and use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's ethercycle.com turbo. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, the unofficial shopifypodcast.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including some details you might have missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors. Please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, and produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.